What's up? Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. And LZ. Yes, sir. LeBron Ramon James came to play yesterday. Are we surprised at all, George Sedano? I mean, if you listened to people just a week or two ago, you know what I'm saying? You would have thought he was You mean the washed. haters? You mean yeah. the haters? Yeah. I don't listen to the haters, man. I don't yeah. listen to them, man. I don't listen to any of the haters talking about how he's washed up. It's year 17. It's Anthony Davis's team. He can't do it in the West. Michael would have done this. I mean, come on. Bruh, what you, whatever you wanted last night, LeBron gave it to you. Whatever you wanted, he gave it to you. Am I right? Yeah, LeBron was absolutely incredible yesterday. I mean, he literally did everything in that game. Okay? Everything. 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 Scored, I mean, passed, blocked shots, uh, you know, rebounded. I mean, it was everything he was doing on the floor. He was so good defensively in the third. I forgot he damn near scored 30 in the first half. Right. That's how good he was in the third. 29 points in the first half is the most, uh, in 18 minutes, is the most by LeBron James since game one of the 2018 finals. That is the J.R. Smith game, if we recall, uh, where he scored 24 in 20 minutes. Yeah, listen, just like with Portland, there's no one on this squad that can guard him. Whenever you see LeBron James have like, you know, an okay game or even a subpar game, it's not because of what the team's done to him. It's because what he's chosen to do as trying to get his teammates involved in the game. LeBron can drop 30 on any team in the league at any point he just so desires. He could drop 40 on mediocre teams. He can go for 50 on the bad teams whenever he wants. Right. He chooses to do X, Y, and Z. He chose in game one to try to get other guys involved, get them going, because he knew he would need them. And then last night, you know, just in case you didn't know, he can give you buckets like like James Harden or any other offensive great because, oh, by the way, he is number three on the all-time scoring list. Yeah, yeah. And now, as you mentioned, as uh, everyone has seen by now, uh, he has the most wins in NBA playoff history, passing Derek Fisher here of the Los Angeles Lakers and – Look, man, you know, it's funny. I was on a podcast today, Tom Haberstroh, who was uh, our, you know, I would say yep. old colleague. But once a colleague, always a colleague, right, LZ? Absolutely. And, and so I was on Tom Haberstroh's basketball podcast. And for those that don't know who Tom is, Tom is arguably the uh, premier analytics guy uh, in the media when it comes to the NBA. And we were talking about LeBron. He's like, look, I, didn't, I don't mean to drag you into this LeBron-Jordan debate that everyone always has. But, man, it feels ridiculous that people won't be willing to move off of that position with new information. Like, yes, he didn't go 6-0, and but, man, what you're witnessing from a guy who, by the way, um, is going to be 36-LZ in three months, okay? What you're witnessing from him right now is really unfathomable for someone his age because we didn't see Jordan do this at, 30, at 35 years old in nine months because Jordan wasn't playing at 35 years old in nine months. No, I, I've long abandoned looking at someone's birth certificate to, to determine, you know, what we should expect from them. I mean, Tom Brady is down in Florida, and everyone's excited, thinking they're going to the Super Bowl. Apparently, um, Serena Williams is still playing, and she's like 38. She just made it to the semifinals of the Open. I mean, I know a lot of people like to say they're outliers, and sure, you could say that, 
But when you're an all-time great, that's part of the deal. <laughs> that all-time greats, in terms of longevity, that's all part of it. Greatness over a long period of time. So when it comes to LeBron James, I never really think about the minutes he's played, although he's played more minutes in the, play, in the postseason than anybody else. I don't think about the total games he's played. I don't think about his birth certificate or when he was drafted. I look at him and I compare him to his contemporaries because he hasn't given me any reason not to. Correct. Is he as good as Giannis? Is he as good as Kawhi? Is he as good as KD or Steph or any of the all-time greats that are happening right now? Yes, he is. The second tier is talking about how long he's been at that position. But as far as I'm concerned, you ask me who's the best player in the postseason right now, it was LeBron James. The only year it wasn't LeBron James was last year because he wasn't in the postseason. Correct. Uh, Greg Bergman, uh, I will start with you, and I want to get to Laura after this. Greg Bergman, how, how are you feeling as someone who, look, you've admittedly said before that, yeah, you know, you follow, obviously, uh, someone like LeBron, but you are hyper-focused on the Lakers. You are hyper-focused on the Dodgers. You're hyper-focused on UCLA and the Raiders, and uh, that's why we call you Raider boy and Laker boy and Bruin boy and Dodger boy. But now that you're witnessing the greatness of LeBron James on your team, how are you experiencing it? I, it's it's pretty incredible to actually watch this because, yes, I watched him in the playoffs and saw like, oh, yeah, he was really good. But when you actually watch him every single second of every single game, it's it's incredible. The, what he does on defensively, offensively, when he actually wants to play is it's amazing. Like getting those blocks were just all timed. I saw there was the one block that he had on Harden where Harden split two guys and got to the bucket mm-hmm. and he came over from his from the other side of the block and he was waiting for that. You could actually see him like I'm going to get this and yeah. he knew that that was going to happen. The intensity that he plays with and the the amount of brain power he plays with on every play is something I've never seen. Well, LZ, you know, you and I have made this reference before to Greg's point. Um LeBron is like Neo when he's stopping the bullets with his hands right now at this stage of his career. He may have lost like a quarter of a step of his athleticism that he had had previously. I don't know, dog. Look, like he found it last night, but keep I, going. Right, right. But you know what I'm saying? Like in <laughs> yeah. general, you know, he yeah. can't summon it as mu- as easily as he used to. Right. Um, but man, what he's the quarter step he's lost there, he's gained that three or fourfold in experience and just the ability to understand what's transpiring before his eyes. The pass he made to Alex Caruso, when it looked as if he was getting ready to attack at the top of the key, started dribbling a couple steps with his left, and then zipped the pass directly underneath the basket to a wide-open Caruso. And I sat there, and I was like, not only did he know that when he started dribbling, Caruso was going to do that, he also knew that the defenders weren't going to be aware that was happening. Yeah. Like, he was yeah. thinking for himself, mm-hmm. he was thinking for Alex, and he was thinking for the defense all in a matter of seconds. Yeah. I'm not a jock sniffer. I need to make that clear. Y'all need to respect this damn man and what he is doing intellectually on this basketball court. This is bonkers and ridiculous level to be happening. Usually, George, what happens is once you get this smart, you just don't have the body to help you get over the hump. Yeah. To have the body and the smarts at the same time is a cheat code. LeBron is cheating. Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned the word respect because that brings me to Laura. 
Now, Laura has admitted on this station that she is not the largest LeBron James fan, that she is still what? a Laker fan. You have? Have you not? I have, yes. I okay. Have. So now. Silly. I got now, words for you, girl. Now. Now you are seeing up close and personal mm-hmm. what he can do on a basketball floor. Have you e- have you come over to this side a little more, just a tiny bit, after what's transpired so far during the playoffs? I don't understand how people don't understand that I can respect him, I can admire him, but I don't have to like him. So I've always respected his game, and I continue to do that. So that's my thing. It's like I've never disrespected his game and what he his abilities are because they're I mean it's crazy you can't you can't be a basketball fan and not give that man his props which I've always done and you guys can't say otherwise and I I just knew I was like I knew this is gonna be something today so my thing is I still don't like him I I don't I still don't understand you know what I'm I'm good with that I don't like James Wood I think James Woods is an ass but he's a hell of an actor and I respect him as an actor but I don't like him. Right. So but I get it. I it's get a it. little different because she root, she does love the Lakers. I don't have to love him. There's people that love the Lakers that don't like Kobe or like Kobe and hated the Lakers. But why don't, why don't like you like LeBron? Who didn't like Kobe? There, I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't know people. if like I, I actually do know two people, and to me, they're just like, get out. So I, f- I feel the sentiment when you guys feel that towards me because that's how I feel to people that didn't like Kobe. Listen, just as I mentioned earlier, um, Serena, who I just looked up, actually turns 39 this month. Right. 30 freaking nine this month. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that who don't like her, but they respect her. Yeah. When, uh, you're great. An all, when you're an all-time great, sometimes you just have to split hairs that way, I guess. You were going to ask her a question, Greg. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's okay. I just don't understand the meaning of why you don't like him. What is it that you don't like? Okay, so I we literally off mic. I told when Amin was here, he asked me the same thing. And I said, there's a lot of reasons. And he's like, is it the Kobe thing? And I was like, of course, it's the Kobe thing. But it's also I always felt because I did follow LeBron's career when he was in high school. And then, you know, him and Carmelo came in at the same time. I've always gravitated more to Carmelo. And I just kind of felt that LeBron was just kind of handed the NBA oh, to him. So. I, I know why. Oh, OK. I, I see now. It's because Carmelo is part Puerto Rican. It's the Latino connection. Oh is my that, God. Is that, is that what's no. happening here? No. Okay. No. If LeBron was Cuban, then you would be all in. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. just all a right. grudge now. There's nothing yeah. but a grudge. Yeah. Okay. Not uh, even close, Elsie. So, so anyway, but the uh, yeah, look, and that's fine. I, I get it. But no, it, it's not. It's not fine, George. Don't play with her. She's not fine. That's wrong. That's okay. wrong. It's wrong at its very core. This to, to suggest that the league was handed to him. That's ridiculous. He, he earned this. You don't get to be number one in so many important categories and then say they just gave it to you. Come on now. I Come felt on, like he, he was given the league. He always was the like the silver platter was given. Like it was Was he given the blocks last night? Okay, I can't he fought for those, but I all just I always felt that way. Like there's I mean, everyone's gonna have their own opinion, but for me that I just felt like it was like, Oh, here you go, here's the league and take over it. And I'm like, uh, I get that you what you did, because like I said, I follow his career in high school, but it's like, no, every other player that I've seen had to work their butt off. And I'm not saying he didn't before y'all go in there. <laughs> but you did. But, <laughs> but you just I just did. felt like he got handed the league. Said, and that's that's how guy, I've always felt. You literally just said a guy who's like 36, 37 years old didn't have to work his butt off. Are you kidding me? 
I okay. I I get the sentiment, but I just felt. <laughs> Greg, stop! I'm trying to think. I I've always just felt like that when he came into the league with other players. Listen, I just felt like I it was, know what it, it was, I know what this is, George. I know what this is. What is it? It's because Kobe had to sit on the bench and 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 earn a spot into the starting rotation and come up the rough side of the mountain. But it wasn't because Kobe wasn't good enough. It's because the coach didn't believe in young players. That's different. Yeah, he's not wrong. I have to admit there that. There it is. Yeah, he's not wrong. Psychoanalyzed you. He he's not wrong. Yeah, it's it's not. It has nothing to do with him. It's all like about him. the coach. It's all about the coaches. How does it Trust- feel to take an L, Laura? Oh, um. I, I usually don't take L's, and you take them for all of us, so I'm okay. Oh, wow. I can take one. No, yeah, this, this, very, this, very is, this is a big, <laughs> big, big L. Yes. Not really, because I still don't like him, and I don't backtrack too well. Oh, so. okay. What if he wins the championship this year? How much are you going to like him then? I mean, thank you. Okay. <laughs> you are very Latina. Stubborn as hell. Facts. <laughs> Mexican truth. Stubborn yeah. as hell. Dang. All right, coming up next. Yes. I'm going to give you the stat. That is going to surprise you about playoff Rondo. We're going to get into that, plus Jalen Ramsey and his new deal and what that means for the Rams' expectations. We'll get to that coming up in just a second. We will be back in 90 seconds. It's Sedano and LZ here on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Sedan and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. Hey, Akeem Talib is going to stop by, former Ram, at 5 o'clock. Momo will be here for an hour beginning at 5.15, and we'll go uh, deep into the Lakers, Rockets, and the Clippers, and Nuggets, and the rest of the NBA playoffs with her. So make sure you stick around for that. Uh, we've got some T-shirts to give away, LZ. I've been given the green light. We have Sedano and LZ T-shirts to give away. We'll have to figure, figure out. What's that? So I'm very excited. These are high-quality T-shirts. George. They are high-quality T-shirts. They're nice. They're very um, – they're soft, the material. It's not that mm-hmm. rough T-shirt, free T-shirt material that you normally get. It's very nice. And with the big boxy arms. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. These hug your arms, make you look sexy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so before we get to Jalen Ramsey, playoff Rondo. So <sighs> I mentioned my guy, our guy Tom Haberstraw earlier. When I did his podcast, he gave me this stat, so I want to credit him. He told me that for all the talk about playoff Rondo, and you and I and Laura and Greg were on the text chat yesterday talking about this, mm-hmm. that it's really inexplainable, you know, unexplainable right. uh, in a lot of ways. It is. But to add further uh, to that notion that it is uh, hard to explain, did you know that Rajan Rondo has the Biggest difference in PER, player efficiency rating, from the regular season to the postseason in NBA history. Yes, I knew that. Because my eyeballs told me so. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Dude, listen. I've, I'm team Rondo, right? Like, I'm not. He knows it. I think the listeners all know it. Like I've been, in, I've been a fan of his basically since his rookie year. 
And I've always wanted him to be a part of a team that I rooted for because I just believed that in the biggest moments, he plays the biggest. And we've seen it, you know, throughout his career. What happened last night or what's happened the last two games is not a shock to anyone who's been paying attention to Rondo. But what I can't tell you is why we aren't shocked. Why is he doing this, George? Why can't you shoot threes like that in game 50 of the regular season? Why do you always wait until April? Why do you always wait until the postseason before you start balling out like this? It's, it's Even LeBron, who has a playoff mode, his regular season mode is pretty damn good, too, considering he's won four MVPs. Right. But Rondo goes literally from why is he on the floor to we can't win without him. It is wild. And look, Rondo has certain skill sets that certainly help him in general, even at this stage of his career, that not everyone has. But specifically his mind. You've seen the movie A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe? That I have. And, and Rondo's a lot like that, right? He He's one of these dudes. There's like a... There's always like a handful of players in the league that can do this. But think about it. You're talking about a league with 450 guys in it at any given time, right? And he's one of these type of guys that he can literally tell the other team what they're running and tell a guy if they're not in the right position. <laughs> and I've, and that's, I've seen him do it. I've seen LeBron do stuff like that. I know Rasheed Wallace was one of those guys back in the day. And, and it's, it's the stuff that even though his skills – have eroded and he's not capable of giving you that performance that you've seen these last two nights on a consistent basis when they come um it 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 just at this point in the postseason particularly shouldn't be that big a surprise the only question I have is can he continue to do it consistently enough it doesn't have to be every game obviously because it just you know at this stage of his career it's hard to be able to pull that off but can it be consistently enough to give the Lakers the cushion they need as they move further and further and deeper and deeper into the playoffs? Well, I will say this about Rondo's skill set. What hasn't eroded is his ability to see the floor. Mm -hmm. And so if you have guys who are cutting, guys who are moving, who are diving into the basket, you know, when when a play breaks down, his ability to find you has not eroded. Well, are we expecting him to hit all these three-pointers, you know, multiple times a game throughout the rest of the regular season or postseason? Of course not. He's not that kind of a shooter. But what I do expect from him to do is run this team. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you I don't think people can appreciate how much of LeBron's incredible scoring output last night had to do with the fact that he didn't have to also run the team every single minute right. he was on the floor. Yeah, Rondo can organize for him. Rondo can organize. So when you see LeBron doing things that I desperately want to see AD doing, which is getting a little man on the block and saying mouse in the house and having a guy who can deliver him the pass so that he can effectively score before the double team gets there, what LeBron, why LeBron was able to do that so often last night was because of Rondo. The reason why AD is able to score the way that he does so efficiently is because of LeBron and Rondo. So when you have a guy who can set up an offense and, as he did last night, when things break down, score on his own, you're a handful to deal with. And 
whether or not he does it every night, I don't know in terms of scoring. But I do know in terms of setting up an offense, George, he damn well can do it every night because he's been doing it basically every night he's been in the league. Yeah, no, that is a great point, and he's got an encyclopedic knowledge of the game. I don't think there's any doubt. And he's got an excellent chemistry with Anthony Davis dating back to the New Orleans time. And, you know, there's just pinpoint passes that he can make that really they're only a few guys that can do that, right, like in the league at the moment, where it's LeBron, obviously, yep. uh, Chris Paul, Luka Doncic is one of these guys that can put anything on a dime, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So, like, there's only a few guys, and Rondo does have that skill, at least consistently. That is one thing that he can still bring to the table along with organizations. So, uh, we didn't get to Jalen Ramsey here. We'll do that on the other side. Plus, we got the NBA roundup, including Pat Bev. Pat Bev Maybe uh, his mouth may be cashing checks that uh, – or, or writing checks that he can't cash. We'll get to Pat Bev and his comments in a second as well. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark – there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Yeah. Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. We'll give you some t-shirt opportunities here in a second. We got some t-shirts to give away. Uh, real quick, Jalen Ramsey signs the richest contract for a quarterback in NFL history. Five years, $105 million. No big surprise that that actually happened. Uh, but LZ, how, uh -huh. do you, how do you look at that defense? Uh, we know that the, the secondary looks pretty good, clearly. Uh, we know that the defensive line still looks good. The linebacker core, though, is a bit of a question mark when it comes to the Rams defense. Well, I, before I even talk about the personnel, you know, I we need to first take a deep dive into who is organizing the personnel. You know, under Sean McVay, we've had the pleasure of having the great Wade Phillips. He wasn't retained. Um, and we now have someone new, Brandon Staley. Mm -hmm. So the question is, you know, what does Brandon want to do with the talent that he has? We know the schemes that Wade had, and for the most part, they were really successful, obviously. A couple of division titles, trip to the Super Bowl, yada, yada, yada. There were moments last season in which we wonder where the defense was. Um, partly that has to do with uh, age of players that we're leaning on. Another part of that had to do with injuries to key players. But we don't have these answers when it comes to Brandon in terms of not just what he wants to do in terms of going into games, but more importantly, how he adjusts to offenses after the game has started. We don't have these answers, George. And so I tend to not want to go too deep into analyzing what this defense is going to look like because at the end of the day, um, personnel can only do what the coordinators scheme. And we're still waiting to see both his nimbleness in-game as well as his plans game by game, opponent by opponent. Yeah, yeah, look, I think that that is a huge unknown. Do you think that plays into their advantage because of that, because there is a bit of an unknown there, him as a commodity, as a defensive coordinator? Um, I, I, I don't know if it works the same way as it does offensively. 
On offense, it absolutely does work to your advantage, obviously. If teams can't figure out what you're doing offensively, it is really hard for them to stop you. It's easy to run up numbers and points and yada, 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 get a lot of success. Defense, I think, is different. I think defenses respond more than, or is more reactionary than the offense is. In other words, the offense, they can certainly, you know, scout. And if you're a poor, uh, you know, if you're a poor run-stopping team and your scouting report, you know, tells you that, then, yeah, you can definitely plan to run the ball more. I mean, you can do that offensively. But at the end of the day, I think an offense's definition is defined. It doesn't change very often, whereas defenses, a lot changes during the course of the game responding to that offense. So, again, I just go back to my belief that I'm, I'm, I believe we have enough talent in this team uh, to make an impact defensively. But it's all about adjustments. It's all about what you do game by game, quarter by quarter, and how those players are being utilized. You can ruin a guy like Jalen Ramsey. That's how we got him. He wasn't being used properly in Jacksonville. So I'm I'm going to wait before I start making any sort of proclamations about our defense, other than the fact that on paper we appear to be talented. Yeah, on paper they're talented. I think that they clearly play in the toughest division in the sport. Uh, I think San Francisco regresses a little bit. Uh, Their wide receiving core is a little dinged up right now. Debo Samuels is hurt, and they're depending on a rookie who's also a little dinged up and didn't uh, participate in training camp, Arizona State's Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Their running game is clearly going to be strong, uh, and Garoppolo is very accurate uh, in regards to throwing the football, and their defense is still hellacious. But, I, you know, Seattle is going to be good. Like I just think it's going to be a real battle. Uh, and no, I every actually, team is good. Yeah, every even Arizona will be will score yes. points. Yeah, yes. even Arizona is going to score points. So it, it yeah. is going to be a real, real challenge. Speaking of challenges, there's plenty of challenges going on in the NBA. Laura, give me some NBA music here real quick. All right. So let's begin here with the Lakers real quick. We talked about the Lakers plenty early, but uh, LZ went – when you look at the series and the way it's shaking out, do you believe that this thing gets extended beyond the requisite five games at this point? I could certainly see Houston winning another game for sure. Um, you know, but I don't see this going seven um, right. at all. But I tell you this, if this were to go six, Houston must win tomorrow. Right. Absolutely. A must win. And then Daniel House, we don't know what his – uh, availability is going to be, and there's a lot of rumors. Let's just say uh, we won't add to those rumors. But we'll did he just get say, some chicken wings, George? Did he get some chicken wings? I mean, it, there's some things flying around. I don't know if you can believe the internet all the time, but uh, there's some things happening allegedly, allegedly happening with Daniel House, or happened with Daniel House. We'll have to kind of wait and see uh, how that works out. Lemon uh, pepper's undefeated. Uh, uh, speaking of Lemon Pepper and uh, Magic City and the Clippers, uh, the Clippers are finding themselves in a battle tonight against the Denver Nuggets. They pulled one out the other night by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. Uh, speaking of hair on his chin, Pat Beverly has some hair on his chin, and he's um, talking a lot, too. Uh, he basically said after the game that Jokic is hard to officiate. He puts a lot of pressure on on the officials, LZ, because he flails a lot. Um, and, you know, I mean, do you think of Joker as, a like, a flopper? Because I don't view him that way. He flails a lot. He does. <laughs> he certainly does. Especially, watch him when he drives. Watch mm. him when he puts the ball on the ground. 
the slightest of touches, he's throwing his head back and, and whipping his head around and, and acting as if he's being impeded all the time, even though he moves at a sloth's pace. Okay, but- So I, I, I see where Patrick Beverly may be coming from, but if I'm P-Bev, I'm not the one making those proclamations. Well, but that's going to be my point. Like, Patrick Beverly, and that's my dude, okay? He slapped me on the butt on national television in a post-game interview, all right? Did you, did you like it? It was nice, I got to be honest. Um, it was very firm, very firm slap in the butt. But he uh, he flops all the damn time, too. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm flopping right now. I'm he, not even being touched. I'm he not looks even like, I'm flopping. He, he looks like he explodes out of a cannon sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know what he's talking about. So, Michael Malone. Laura, do we have that sound? Were you able to find that or no? If, if you don't, it's fine. Okay, great. Lower the music a little bit. So Michael Malone, the coach of the Denver Nuggets, was asked about Pat Beverly's shot at Jokic. And, yo, Michael Malone just lit up Pat Bev. Listen to this. Game three, Pat Beverly was just kind of asked about the difficulties in uh, defending Nicole. And, obviously, his main matchup, uh, Zubac, fouled out in uh, 22 minutes last night. Beverly said, Jokic like flails a lot. He puts a lot of pressure on the referees to make the right call. Just curious about your reaction to to that comment. Well, I mean, I don't listen to Patrick Beverly a whole lot. If Kawhi Leonard was talking, maybe I might listen to it. You know, Kawhi's a great player. Um, but all you gotta do is look at the stat sheet. Uh, Zubac attempted more free throws than Nicole Jokic. They shot twenty six free throws. We shot ten. So I'm not really sure what, what game Patrick is talking about or looking at, but you know, I, I really don't you know, warrant and give too much attention to that. I mean, damn. Yeah, he basically said that Pat Bev was trash, basically. <laughs> but I will say this though, I bet he would love to have him. Sure. You know? He's I one of those guys you want on your team, for sure. You want that guy on your squad, right? Yeah. Like you want someone who can give a nice butt slap in crucial situations. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. But he did take a shot at his credibility, basically saying he's not, you know, I'll listen to the star player. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm not listening to him. And it's nice. I like that. I bet you Pat Beverly got a chuckle out of that when he heard that. I'm sure he that. did. Yeah. Because he knew Pat, Patrick Beverly, you know, he knows exactly oh what God, he's yeah. doing. He is a professional agitator. Yes. Yeah. So he wasn't even trying to get respect. He was just giving refs a heads up that some of those calls weren't really calls and you need to do a review. Yeah, do you think the? I think the Clippers win more comfortably today. Do you believe that? Man, this series is going to go and fall based upon the play of Jamal Murray. Yeah, you know, Jokic can only do so much, and I don't really and, think Jokic. And he's been is, good. He's been really good in this. He's series. been he's been good. Yeah, right. But I don't think he'll be able to be great. They need Jamal Murray to be great, the way that he was great against Utah, and he's he's had flashes. But ever since the you know the claw or the finger or whatever you want to call Kawhi right now, oh my God, that middle <laughs> finger! It was what it I, was so symbolic that he used the middle finger to block the. Uh, I, the shot I need there. to know what exercises you need to do to get a middle finger to do all that. <laughs> I need to know because I yeah. clearly I'm missing some. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is pretty impressive. All right, that's our NBA Roundup. We'll have more of that coming up throughout the show, including when Momo joins us at 5.15. Akib Talib, former Ram, is going to join us at 5 o'clock. Uh, so eight minutes from now, stick around for that. We'll get you to what you need to know in just a moment as well. We'll be back in two minutes. What you need to know, brought to you by our friends at Morongo. Play it safe. Good times. 
LZ, we have a game going on right now at the half. Celtics-Raptors game six. Celtics jumped out to a big lead. Raptors had a big surge at the end of the second quarter. Uh, and I did that uh, on purpose because Ibaka led the way for them uh, in the, that second quarter, late in that second quarter. And they are now only down four. Celtics lead 52-48. to 48. What do you make of what you've seen today and what you've seen in this series? So here, if I'm the Raptors, this is my concern. That we are only down four points. We've played our butts off. And Jason Tatum is not even in freaking double digits. Mm -hmm. if, if you had told me that Tatum had an incredible first half and they were only up four, I'd be like, going, oh, the Raptors has a chance. Yeah. But it's the reverse. So I'm looking for the Celtics to finish this off. The Raptors had a good little run, but I think it is now over. Yeah, Jalen Brown has been amazing in this game, 21 points. So has Kyle Lowry. He's Him and Serge Ibaka have carried uh, the Raptors. Pascal Siakam continues to struggle, though, in this series, LZ. And look, people forget he's still a young player in this league, and there is a big step to being the number two guy to trying to be the, the number one guy. Well, I think there was also a scouting report done. Yeah. No one's going for the up fake anymore. I don't know if you've been watching, but he pump fakes, and – Last season, people went for it. This year, people are staying down, and right. he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't have a second move or an alternate move from that. And he's bad in isolation. He's actually a bottom third player in isolation. And you know in the playoffs, you need some of that. You know what I mean? Look at the guys who have, who have had success in this playoffs, right? I mean, obviously LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George has gotten back. And I think that a lot of that with Paul George is he's getting to the free throw line, right? He's doing things. Jimmy Butler, right, uh, is getting to the free throw line. Like, you need to have those the ability to go get yourself a bucket, you know? Right. And I think that Siakam relies more on the system to get him buckets than – uh, him going and get those buckets. He'll, he'll figure it out, though. He'll figure it out. Get a little jab step going. Get a little mid-range jumper. He'll figure it out. I think he's very talented. Oh, man, he's so young. He's still very young in, in all of this. There's no doubt. Uh, LZ, the <laughs> ACC is proposing a 346-team NCAA tournament. Mike Krzyzewski and the ACC have said, you know what, after all we've endured, what better showcase is there than to have all 346 Division I schools eligible for the NCAA tournament play this coming season in a tournament. Now, they would have a regular season, a, sh a shortened, truncated regular season, but all the teams would be eligible, and it would take months to complete this. Do you believe that is a good idea? No. <laughs> no. Like, I'm all for new ideas. I'm all for trying different things during the pandemic. But I like trying different things that actually could be carried over into a more normalized situation. Right. I don't like just throwing up crazy stuff because we can do crazy stuff because then it feels even more like a waste of a season than what it already is. Yeah, it, it feels like a gimmick. Yeah. Yes. There's yeah. no reason to do that. But you know what that is, right? And we're going to get to Aqib Tlaib here in a second. And you're listening to KSB in Los Angeles. That's just, hey, we're just going to try to make back some of that money we lost from last year's canceled tournament. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah, of course. And it's just like <laughs> – and, and it's, just, it's embarrassing. By the way, uh, John Herrera wants to know if we're bringing back our It's Just Baseball t-shirts oh, as well. Maybe. Do we, we have to find out. Greg, find out if we still have some of those from like three years ago. Find out if we still have them. Uh, and if we do, uh, we will uh, – if not, maybe we'll get more printed. But anyway, that's what you need to know. Brought to you by our friends at Morongo Casino. Morongo, play it safe, good times. And speaking of uh, Morongo, the celebrity hotline is presented by Morongo. Play it safe, good times. Our friend Aqib Tlaib, former Ram, 
Uh, Tampa Bay Buck, New England Patriot, joins us here, fresh off retirement or announcing his retirement. Uh, Akib, let me ask you this, because I saw the story today that you are uh, officially retired, but that Bill Belichick gave you that call. And I'm going to ask you this question. How hard was it for you to turn down Bill Belichick? Man, it was – it was. I was disappointed in myself, man. I'm like, how can I say no to this? You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I just got so much respect for him. You know what I'm saying? It was hard, man. It was hard. It was, it was one of the harder decisions to make, and it was even harder because it was Bill and the Patriots. So what was the determining factor? You said you weren't feeling it. What weren't you feeling? Just the – I wasn't feeling myself. I wasn't feeling my mental. You know what I'm saying? Just usually I'm so confident going into every situation, any situation, football or whatever, especially football. And then this time, I don't know, I just found myself, you know, trying to test out the waters, looking at the schedule, who I'm going to be guarding. I always do that, but it's always like, oh, yeah, I play him, I'm going to kill him. I play him, oh, yeah, I kill all these dudes. And this time it was just a little bit different, man. I'm like, damn, can I even – am I going to be ready to get in this box and do this tackling part? And I just was, you know, second-guessing myself. So once I got to second-guessing myself, I said, man, hey, that is, that's it. That's God signed to me. This question mark, hey, it ain't for you. I mean, yeah, that, that's the point. If you have to second-guess if you want to collide with people or chase people around for a living like you do, that that's stuff hurts you. after a while, you know? Exactly. And then, I mean, it's, it's other factors that, that was involved. You know, just, you know, I'm 34 years old. I don't move the same way. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I know personally I don't move the same way. So just you knowing that in the back of your mind, you, my kids, my son is seven. He's starting to play tackle football now. He's pretty good. So he'd like me to be at his game. So, you know, it's, 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 it's all kind of stuff that, that, yeah. that's involved in the decision. But I think that, that, last, that last straw was when I started having those little negative negative little thoughts about how my performance would be, I think that probably was that last straw, man. I said, hey, I'm ready to hang them up. I'm ready to do something else, man. I'm in love with the game, so I'm never going to lead a game, man. I still want to be a part of it, be in the booth. Like you said, I want to be in the booth uh, on shows. I want to be around the game. I own a gym out here in Dallas, man, so I'm definitely going to you know, teach the kids out here in the, in the community football. I'm going to get them better, man. We're doing great at that right now, so – I love the game, and I'm never leaving the game, but I, it definitely was my time. When you are looking at some of your former teams that you've had a chance to play for and win a lot of games with, um, which experience was your favorite and which were uh, on the lesser side? And you don't have to worry about hurting our feelings out here. We're tough. No, no, no. They're like kids. They're like kids almost, man. Every team is like you can't really have a favorite. It was something unique. It was something special about, uh, about every team. So, you know, the Bucks is that was my first time ever being in the NFL and and getting the real experience. And then New England, that was my first time really being on the stage stage and, and getting the real NFL feeling. And Denver, I probably had the best team, the best teammates. We had the most fun, and we won the Super Bowl together. And then L.A., man, that was just a crazy experience and all, just playing football in L.A. And then at the same time, we was pretty good. We went to the Super Bowl. So, man, that was another unique team, uh, a, a completely different, differently ran team by a young head coach, man. So I say all my experiences was second to none, man. It's like it's like kids. You almost you can't really pick a favorite. Aqib Tlaib joining us here, future Hall of Famer. Yeah, I'm saying it, future Hall of Famer. Uh, make Thank sure you, you check out Call Hell to the yeah. Booth. Yeah, make sure you check out Call to the Booth with Aqib Tlaib and Harrison Sanford on Spotify and YouTube. 
Uh, Jared Goff uh, is the interview in their first episode, so make sure you check that out, Rams fans. You mentioned the young coach, uh, Sean McVay. I know that you liked playing for him. I remember you actually made the case in one of your first interviews with the team after being around him for a bit that he kind of reminded you of Belichick a little bit. Like, How would you compare Sean to some of the guys you played specifically to Bill? I mean, I just like that leadership, man. I, I really wouldn't compare him as, like, you know, people, they, they got different personalities. they both genius, one on offense, one on defense. But I, I say that leadership, man, how they how they take hold of that building and how they get in front of that, that group of guys and guys is locked in. Nobody's texting. Nobody's doodling on their pad. Everybody's locked in, and they believe in what this guy is saying. So I say they they super similar in that in that sense, man. They great they great great leaders, man. Two of the better leaders in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, obviously, you had an opportunity to be around a lot of great quarterbacks. Um, the Rams this season are really hoping for a really strong breakout year from Jared Goff. Can you talk talk a little bit about what you've what you've witnessed from him as a player, particularly as you compare to some of the greats that you've played with? Man, I think Jared is uh, in a great situation, man. Because, uh, you know, I see the, the quarterbacks being in the league 12 years, playing 12 seasons. The quarterbacks who are successful are the ones who are almost married to their offensive coordinator, the guys who really get to dive into that playbook and learn the ins and the outs to it. You know what I'm saying? And the guys who struggle is the guys who, who, switch, quarter, who switch coordinators every year. So, so uh, JG is lucky enough to have the same coordinator, man, for what, the fourth, fifth year? or whatever it is, fourth or fifth year. And uh, I think that that holds weight, man. That experience is definitely going to help him out. I don't think he played bad yet. I mean, he had some amazing seasons already. But I think with this COVID, man, this short season, no off season, it'll be about teams who can really just hop in, know their playbook left and right, and they can just really get in and get rolling. I think the Rams will be able to do that. Aqib Tlaib with us here, future Hall of Famer. Check out uh, Call to the Booth with Aqib Tlaib and Harrison Sanford on Spotify and YouTube. Again, Jared Goff is their first uh, interview in their first episode. So let me ask you this. Jalen Ramsey just signed a new deal, five years, $105 million, the largest deal for a cornerback. I know that's got to make you smile a little bit. Um, what, what makes Jalen different than some of the other guys playing right now? Uh, I think it's, it's it's a combination of his size, his speed, and just that confidence, man. That mental that mental is is so important, especially playing DB, man. If you go to the line thinking I might not be able to guard this guy, nine times out of ten you're probably not gonna guard him. So his confidence, man. That mental is exactly where you want it to be. If I was building a football player and I can give him somebody's confidence and somebody's mental, I'd give him Jalen Ramsey. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's the strongest part of his game. And on top of that, God made the guy six, six, one and a half, six, two, 210, whatever. You know what I'm saying? He made him a, a, a freak, a specimen. So that size, man, and that mental, man, it's, it's, it reminds me of myself. We're going to have some fun right here. And I don't want you to get yourself in trouble, or more importantly, get us in trouble. <laughs> but we all know about the Odell Beckham Jr. rumors. I don't want you to speak on that. But what I would love to hear is what is the craziest story you've ever heard about an NFL player? <laughs> that might be it right there. Well, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, uh, you hear all kind of stuff, man. You hear all kind of rumors, all kind of stuff. I, I, at this point, I don't believe nothing I see on social media like that, man. I really just, you know, I take everything with a grain of salt. So 
I heard some crazy stuff. I seen some crazy stuff with my own eyes in the league, man. But but like you said, we we can't get nobody in trouble. We don't want to put no names and stuff out there like that, man. So I I I, I just leave it alone. You know, I oh ain't do that. Oh ain't do all that. That's my dog. He ain't on all that. <laughs> Akeem to leave. He ain't on all that, man. Akeem to leave with us here. Uh, Akeem, I, I mean. As you as we've talked about, you know, I called you a future Hall of Famer. I think you're one of the best corners I've ever seen play the game. Um, but I would imagine there are some guys uh, that you faced as uh, wide receivers that you were like, man, this dude is a little tougher for me to handle than some other dudes. And it might not be one of the elite guys. Uh, right. was, there, was there a guy that just, like, matched up well against you? You were like, I can't believe this dude matches up so well against me. Man, you know who who it was? I thought they had an awkward, like an awkward, uh, awkward ass style of play. And they was a bigger receiver. I don't usually struggle with bigger receivers, but but Alshon Jeffries, man, I feel like he always had me like off balance and stuff. So <laughs> I don't really know how it was. It was he was slow, but he had a quick burst to change the direction. I can't really explain it. It was a a, a weird type of movement. You know and I'm saying I know corners who guarded him. They probably they probably know what I'm talking about, but I say Alshon Jeffrey, man, he he always had me off balance, and he had a he had a a, a different style of play, in my opinion, and it, and it worked against me. And, and uh, oh, we got to dub that. <laughs> on the flip side, on the flip side, um, and, and maybe the answer is somebody we already know, uh, because you had uh, some incidents with one particular guy. Uh, who was a guy that lined up against you that when you saw him, you saw in his eyes, oh, I own this man's soul? Oh, man. Uh, that was a couple. It's, 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 I think everybody everybody come out there really ready to compete, man. A lot of guys, it, it, if they don't look you back in your eyes, man, that's when I, that's when I kind of knew, like, all right, I'm on them. I'm on them right now. Like, they don't even want to look at me. So, I mean, it was a couple guys, young guys. It's, I don't know. I can I, I, The game go by so fast. I don't even really remember. I can't even remember instincts like that. So, it's it's, it's you know, I owned a few guys out there, man. <laughs> Akeem, <laughs> come on now. You come on, Akeem. Give us some initials. You ain't never scared, dog. There, now listen, listen. I, I'm I, I'm guessing I one of them is Crabtree. A lot of players. I, I'm guessing one of them is Crabtree, though. I mean, yeah, it was games where Crabtree. I, I was really walking around the game like I'm on his. I'm on his butt right now. Like I'm on him right now. And I, it was games that you know he had me off balance. You know what I'm saying? Same with Amari. It was games where I'm, I'm doing real good against you right now. And it was games where he had me off balance. So you know it goes back and forth, man. Football is a momentum game, man. So you can't never get too high. You can't never get too low. You just got to play your technique in the game. So I be so locked in in the game, and I barely look at guys' eyes. I'm looking at straight bell buckles. I'm looking right at the hip. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to keep my eyes right there all day. So, I mean, it, it, y'all know I guarded a lot of guys, man. I done shut down a lot of guys. So, you know, I, I got that feeling from from guarding a lot of guys. Yeah. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be right to just name one of them. We'll, we'll name for you once we let you go. We'll name <laughs> for you so you don't have to do that. What, what would you have done? You didn't get a chance to play against him because he was retired by the time you got in the league. But what would you have done with one – um, Joseph Keyshawn Johnson. But Keyshawn? Oh, I can already tell. You said his name all high and stuff. Like, Ooh. What I would have done with Keyshawn? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I never I never really struggled against the, the slower receivers, man. So I, I would have been all right, you know. <laughs> I would let him go inside, undercut all his routes, and I would have been just fine. 
Okay, there we go. We'll, uh, you yeah. know, that's our that's our boy. We like to have some fun with him. So, I know, I know, I know. He's not better not be tweeting and, and, and killing me out tomorrow on the show. He's he <laughs> laughing. Yeah, you know, you know it's all in fun, man. We'd never know what happened. So, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, he's got two shows now. He's got a radio show and a TV show now on okay, NFL Live. Yeah. So he's got a lot of outlets now. And we've all already right, sent the right. sound to him. <laughs> Akeem Tlaib hanging out with us here, man. Check out what he's up to. It's called Call to the Booth with Akeem Tlaib and Harrison Sanford. It's on Spotify and on YouTube. And Jared Goff is the interview in their first episode. He's got the announcement to his retirement there as well. Akeem, man, congratulations on an amazing career. Uh, future Hall of Famer for sure. Thank you so much for joining us, and hopefully we'll do it again soon, man. Stay safe and stay healthy. Thanks, guys. I appreciate y'all having me on, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, sir. brother. There he is, Akib Tlaib with us there. I love him. As soon as Greg said, do you want Akib Tlaib on, I was like, I couldn't have said yes fast enough. Absolutely yes. Yeah. It's so much fun. So much fun. Do you Um, think he thinks that Keyshawn was slow receiver because of that whole race with Marcellus was kind of close? I I think so. I don't think that helped Key's, uh, you know – uh, he, he's reputation, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, coming up next, we go from Akeem Tlaib, future Hall of Famer, to what I believe is future Hall of Famer Mama Momo. Uh, Hall of Famer in our book, and I think eventual NBA Hall of Famer. You never know. Uh, she's going to join us. We'll talk some hoops with her for the next hour. 